Romans chapter number four, if you will. Romans chapter four. The goal is to uh, finish the chapter this morning. <laughs> A little humor this morning for you. But uh, actually, Romans chapter number four, uh, we, got, we looked at Abraham, we looked at David, and uh, now in verse number nine, Paul is, we're in that courtroom, and we're in the courtroom kind of uh, wrapping up closing arguments, if you will, and Paul is going to make a, a statement here uh, of uh, closing, um, just kind of a closing statement, you know, and uh, he used Abraham, Exhibit A, uh, the testimony of how God can legally impute righteousness, uh, and it's that issue of by faith. Then he used David, uh, Exhibit B, where that uh, living testimony of God imputing righteousness uh, without any of the works of the law, without uh, really just by faith. Uh, you know, the law demanded... Uh, the law had a demand for um, uh, what David did, the, the murder and the, and the adultery. And because of that, the law said, kill him. He's to die. Well, when he went to Nathan and Nathan came to him, the Lord had what? Forgiven him. So David did not understand how or why. He just understood it to be so. So you see that issue there where he said, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, Paul is going to go back to Abraham. And in verse 9, cometh this blessedness, so the blessedness of verse 6, 7, and 8, then upon circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? And that's the issue in the rest of the chapter, is the how, the when, the where, the, the here. We know that Abraham, Genesis 15, it was counted to him for righteousness. He believed God. Back up there, verse number 3. But now the issue and why Paul brings Abraham back in is because now he's going to talk about the how. How can God impute righteousness and he's going to begin to say when did he do it how did it happen who does it impact okay and that's really what the rest of the chapter is all about that's why i said we're gonna we can go down through this not rather quickly it's going to take the hour but we can get through this information because really we're very familiar with it verse uh, 10 how was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that, here's the reason, the purpose, the intent, that he might be the father of all them that believe though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet being 
I'm sorry, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath for their for where no law is, there is no transgression. And again, what Paul's going to deal with here is when did this happen and who does it impact? It impacts everybody. That's the point. And, and he's going to come in now and he's going to begin to produce the exhibits, produce the evidence. And I don't know if you've ever been involved with the trial in a courtroom but usually somebody's got a timeline, and they put a timeline up, and they say, okay, it started here, and then it started here, and that's exactly what Paul's doing here. Genesis 15, we've already looked back there at it. What did he do? He, God, well, let's just go back to it, since you're looking at me funny. Genesis 15. Well, you guys look at me funny all the time anyway, so ain't nothing different there. Genesis 15, verse number 6. See, Paul said, okay, here's the timeline, guys. Genesis 12, God promised Abraham the Abrahamic covenant, okay? But then he comes along in Genesis 15, verse 6. And by the way, the reason this doesn't happen in Genesis 12 is because God told Moses, you got to get away from your family. You got to divest of them. He got rid of everybody but Lot. Okay, Abraham, he still had his lot hanging around. Finally, Lot was gone. Now, he, now he's divested of his family. And he says, verse 6, verse 5, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto me, him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it for him, to him for righteousness. What did Abraham believe? You're going, to have a, you're going to have a seed line, and it's going to move, and it's going to go, and it's going to grow. So the timeline starts in Genesis 15. Well, Genesis 16 is there, and then back in Roman, go back to Romans 4. Genesis 17 is now where Paul starts in verse 9. Because in Genesis 17, that's when the, ish, the sign of circumcision is instituted. So where did, where did Abraham believe God? When he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Uncircumcised, but there's a reason for it. And that's down there in verse number 11. At the, at the that, he might be the father of all them that believe. So, there's some, so Paul presents... Genesis 15, Abraham's justified. 14 years later, Genesis 17, Abraham is, receives the sign of circumcision. And then 430 some odd years later, the law shows up with Moses. So here's the timeline. And Paul is going to lay out here. By the way, he skips Genesis 16. What happened in Genesis 16? He goes into Hagar and has Ishmael. And what did Abraham learn of the, about, his, about the flesh back in Romans 4? It didn't do it. It didn't count. So literally what you're going to see there is 
God look over, when we learn this from Paul, it's amazing how much information Paul gleans, light, I should say, Paul shines on the Old Testament for us. Because what Paul is doing here in Romans 4 is giving you a narrative, a subsequent narrative, of what's happening back there in Genesis 15 and 17. See? Because when you go back there, you read things, and Paul says, this is what it's really talk, what he, what's really going on. And literally back there, folks, Abraham's justified in Genesis 15. In Genesis 16, he messed up. In Genesis 17, he gets the sign of circumcision, and Isaac's born. What did God do? He skipped right over the work of the flesh. He skipped right over Abraham's mess-up. Now, Abraham's mistakes, mess-up, impact has consequences, but God didn't withdraw the promise because he messed up. That's wonderful. That's called eternal security. And that's really what Paul's beginning to introduce here in Romans 4 as we move through this. So God is, again, Paul amplifies for the first time in Scripture that Abraham is the father of all them that believe. So he's the father of the uncircumcision as well. All through Israel's history, who did they claim as their father? Abraham. They would have killed the Gentile if the Gentile would have said, no, he's mine too. It's never talked about back there until you come to Paul. God did something with Abraham that preceded the physical ceremony of circumcision so that both groups could claim Abraham as their father. And that's what we're learning about here, that dual fathership of Abraham. Verse 11, 411. Uh, he's the father of all them that believe. Verse 12, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circum, uh, circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith. He's the father of the uncircumcision, and he's the father of the circumcision. But it's them that believe, and that's the kicker, and that's the, that's the stressor point here now that Paul's going to get into is this issue of faith. Faith and grace. Verse 9. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. Again, coming out of verse, four, verse 6, 7, and 8, the blessing of having your sins forgiven based upon not your activity, but based upon Calvary and the cross activity. But look in verse 9. For <clears throat> cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision. Notice that word, also. The wall is up, Genesis 17. Come over to Ephesians 2. In Genesis 17, in Genesis 17, God makes a separation in humanity. And he puts up what is called here in Genesis 2, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, the middle wall of partition. That wall is circumcision. 
And in Genesis 17, he says, if you're, you go out and you circumcise them the eighth day, and then they become part of your family, Abraham. All right? But if they don't, he says, then they are cut off and cut off from the land. So, he, so God's the one that makes the division. All right? The racial division here is, what, is, who, is God did it. Ephesians 2.11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Notice there's some name calling here. Uncircumcised and circumcised. Verse 12, at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Notice the perspective, what is known of the uncircumcised. What are they? They're aliens. They're, they're without Christ. They're aliens. They're strangers. No hope. They're without God in the world. Why? Because God put that wall up and said, if you're on the right side of the wall, I have a covenant relationship with you. And if you're on the wrong side of the sorry guys, if you're on the wrong side of the wall, guess what? I don't have a covenant relationship with you. Good luck, Turkey. We'll see you down the road. Adios. But now watch verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one. Well, who's the, one, who, who's the both? Circumcision, uncircumcision. He's made them what? One now. How did he do it? And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God and to in one body, by the cross, not, by, not at the cross. If, if that said at the cross, that means the body started back there in, in the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it didn't. It starts in Acts with nine, 9 with Paul. Having slain the enmity. Notice, enmity. These two groups don't like each other. The wall comes up. And Paul is going to come over to Galatians chapter 3. And Paul says, hey, when Abraham was declared righteous, justified, imputed righteousness given to him, Genesis 15, that happened before this wall goes up, before there's a division now in humanity. And that's critical to catch Galatians 3. This ver in verse 8, this verse tells you that your Bible is probably, it, it, not probably, it is the most important book you have in your library because it's alive, it's living. And the Scripture, foreseeing, well, how did the Scripture foresee the, it's what? It's living, it's alive. The author is divine. The Scripture, foreseeing that God, also, by the way, that means your scripture is equal to God. When you read that book, it's like you're talking to him face to face. That's why it's important. 
that God would justify the heathen through faith. God did something before the wall went up. He wanted to justify, notice that verse, the who? The heathen. Through faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, And these shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Justify the heathen. Who is that? That's uncircumcision and circumcision. That's everybody before the what went up. <laughs> the middle wall of protection. That's everybody that's, you know, and now what do we know? Ephesians 2, he broke that wall down. So guess who the heathen is? Everybody. There's no difference. There's no scriptural difference any longer. The scripture, come back to Romans 4. And by the way, you only read about this in Paul, the revelation given to the Apostle Paul. Nowhere else do you read where Abraham had a dual fathership, where Abraham was the father of all them that believe. He's usually the father of Israel. He's our patriarch. He's our father. Paul says, true, but before Genesis 17, Genesis 15 happened, so that, by the way, in Galatians 3, did you notice the gospel, what was preached to Abraham? And these shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Nothing about Christ dying on the cross for your sins. That comes later. Now, again, with David, what did God know? Who did God know was coming? The Savior. So he's able to forgive David. So he knows the Savior's coming, but he doesn't preach that to Abraham. Abraham got, you're going to be a blessing to the, the families of the earth out there. So where is the, where, uh, 4.9, Romans 4.9, where is the blessedness then? It's in who? It comes by the way of Abraham. So God looks past when God deals with Abraham, back there in Genesis 15 and 17, God looks past the law to the dispensation of grace, and he says, there's a group of people coming over there, so we're going to do this over here. And Abraham is going to be the pattern. He's going to be the picture, the type, of how God is going to justify the heathen, and it's by faith. And that's what we're learning here. If you look down there at verse... 16, he says, therefore, it is of what? Faith. You see, he's going to come down through this now. Verse 10, how was it then reckoned? How was it reckoned? How was it so? How, how did he get this done? Was, it, was he circumcised or uncircumcised? He's what? Uncircumcised. Verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision. That's, what he, that's Genesis 17. In Acts, Paul calls it the covenant of circumcision. That he might be the father of all them that believe. There's the linchpin. Verse 12, and the father of circumcision to them 
who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise, and that's the, the kick right there, the promise that he should be the heir of the world. What did he do in Genesis 12? You're going to be the blessing to all the families of the earth. You look out there, you're going to be the father of nations, he says. Look at the, look at the scar, starry sky. There you are, Abraham. That's going to be your seed. You're going to have that promise not by the law. The law was 430 years later. You know where Abraham was when the law wrote, showed up? Dead. His bones and the sepulcher were with us. See? He was gone. So none of this is working under the law. It's all what? Verse 13, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made what? Now, we already understand that because in the end of chapter 3, verse 27, where is boasting then? It is what? Excluded. By what law? Of works? No, by by the law of what? Faith. You see, we've already seen that. Verse 15, because the law worketh what? Always remember the law works wrath. I tell you what, man, that performance system, all it does is gin up trouble and discord and wrath and anger. Why? Because it it puts you on a treadmill that you can never succeed. You never get to the end. God's grace comes in. Faith comes in and says, that's why verse 16 starts with a therefore. By, it is of faith that it might be by grace. And that's really the wonderful thing here. As Paul begins to deal with the the issue of faith and grace. What a great statement. Paul keeps reminding the courtroom, reminding us of the fundamental truth. It's by faith and it's made possible because of God's grace. And those things are going to now take, kind of take over the rest of the chapter. How was Abraham, how, 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 how was Abraham made righteous? In circumcision or uncircumcision? Uncircumcision. Okay, he was, de- he was declared righteous because of God, God and his wisdom. He, for, he, he, he foresaw, he saw the Gentiles, the dispensation of grace, the church, the body of Christ coming. He was able to legally give righteousness when faith is involved. How was Abraham made righteous? Apart from the... Was he made righteous based on the works of the flesh or or apart from the works of the flesh? Apart. Folks, salvation is God's doing, not yours. It excludes boasting. That's what we learned. Abraham was made righteous apart from the work of the law, too, by the way. He didn't go in there and do anything. It's interesting, back in, in Genesis there, God puts Abraham to sleep. 
God lays out the sacrifice around Abraham. God walks up amongst those pieces. God says, Abraham, I made a deal with myself. Now you can come and join. I'm going to bring you in on it. But the deal was made between God, him, the head, Godhead. <laughs> okay? Abraham was made righteous by faith alone and by grace. And that's what we're learning in verse 16. Look, notice verse 16. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace. What we learn is faith establishes the work of God's grace. And faith is the only legal response that God accepts and that enables, then enables God to declare the sinner righteous. It's only faith. And it's been that way since the beginning. Okay? I look back, you think about Cain and Abel. Abel, by faith, Hebrews 11 says, brought the right sacrifice. Cain didn't, but Abel did. But it's what? By faith. The positive response to the word of God to them at that time. Look down at Look over at chapter 5. Faith and grace. Paul uses this combo quite a bit. Chapter 5, verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you're saved through what? Faith. Grace and faith, they combo up. They work together. They're mutually in agreement. Come over to chapter 11. When Paul then talks about grace and works, guess what? It's always negative. Uh, Romans 11, verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Isn't that fascinating? When we're going to, you're going to, take faith, you're going to take work over faith, it's negative. It's negative. Come back to chapter um, chapter 3. When you talk about faith and works, so grace and works, negative. Guess what? Faith and works is also what? Negative. 327, we just read the verse a minute ago. Where is boasting then? It is what? Excluded. Chapter 4. Verse 3, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of what? But of debt. See, it's negative. You owe something. That's why you worked. Verse 5, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Come over to Galatians 3. Faith establishes grace. And the only way that God can, clearly the only way that God can justify the sinner legally, righteously, rightly, is the issue of faith because of his grace. Galatians 3, look at verse 18. For 
if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God, notice those next two words, what? Gave it to Abraham by promise. God did what? He gave it. Do you know what that indicates? A free gift. The twins had their birthday, and we gave them gifts, right? They didn't beg, borrow, or steal for them. They didn't do anything, you know. We gave, it, gave them gifts because they're our children. <laughs> they didn't choose to be our children. They just are our children. It's a gift, and that's, it's something not earned. It's, something not, it's not a reward. It's a gift. So when you come back to Romans 4, verse 16 here, Paul said, hey, therefore, because Abraham was declared, was, was, had imputed righteousness, not, an uncircumc- not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision, before the law, before all that came in, because of that, you know what? It's all, it's, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Notice the issue that it is to all. The end of the promise might be made sure. When you make something sure, what do you... What are you doing? It's a guarantee, isn't it? And what Paul is introducing here, by the way, what, did, what is the promise given to Abraham? Eternal life. Resurrection life. You go back into Genesis back there, and you begin to look at what God told, tells Abraham. You're going to go... You're, you're, <coughs> I'm telling you, you might as well look at it. Go back there to Genesis 17. Genesis 17. Genesis 17. If you look there at verse 5. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be, be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. So what does the name Abram mean, Abraham mean? The father of many nations. It's right there for you. You know, you, people look through the books and the dictionaries and, the, and all this, the, the Bible handbooks. Verse tells you what Abraham means, okay? Um, verse 6, And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and the kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for what kind, for how long? For an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land 
wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. Notice how he says, I will give thee unto thee, Abraham. I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed. I will give it unto thee and thy seed. You know what he just promised Abraham? Everlasting life, eternal life, resurrection life. That's why in Genesis 22, when he goes over there and takes Isaac up the hill, you know what happens? Uh, Come back to chapter 15. What happens is, is Abraham knows that Isaac's the seed. That's been the lesson, okay? Chapter 17, chapter 18. Here's the lesson. Isaac's the boy. He's the seed. And you know what he does? He takes Isaac up there knowing good and well that when, because he tells him, the lad and I will go and return. What does he know is going to happen? If I kill him, God's got to resurrect him because he's the seed. No, no, no waffling there. Chapter 15. Look at verse 13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. There's Egypt going down into Egypt. They go in 70 souls. They come out just under two million. Great substance. Verse 15, and thy, thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Well, you go read Hebrews 11, and what is Abraham looking for? He's looking for that heavenly city. He's looking for that heavenly come. A far better, better, better. What does Abraham know? We get eternal life. So when you come back here to Romans 4:16, the promise is a promise of resurrection life of eternal security. By the way, when did Abraham know he was going to receive that everlasting life? Or resurrected into that what? That kingdom down there. That land. When it's all said and done. Now, come back to 4.16. So Paul is introducing the doctrine of eternal security here. And he's using Abraham to do it. Do you know that there's no eternal security outside of God's grace and the response of faith? If you don't have God's grace and a response of faith, you have no eternal security. Chapter 5, he's going to kind of hone it in and develop it in a little bit more. Look at verse uh, Romans 4. Verse 17, As it is written, I have made thee a father... Of many nations, there's Genesis 17. Even before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. When you, you see that thing there, before him? God's the object. The object of our faith is God. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Godhead, what's going on? But notice he says, quickeneth the dead. Now, usually what people say is that's Abraham and Sarah because Sarah's womb's dead. He's going to talk about that in just a minute. But that's not who he's talking about. He's talking, if he quickeneth the dead, what is he doing to the dead? Bringing them alive, resurrecting. See, it's an, it's, he's talking about resurrection. And Abraham believed God 
about the seed line and about the issue of resurrection life. He's like, man, okay, this is a good deal, I, you know. Now, look at the end of verse 17. And calleth those things which be not as though they were. Boy, that is fantastic. Look at how God looked at Abraham. He looks at Abraham as though he is what? Already resurrected and in the kingdom out there. But Abraham's still sitting over there going, I ain't there yet. You know, you and I do the same thing. You know that? Yeah, we do. How does You're in Romans 4. Look over at chapter 8. You and I, we look around at this nasty now and now, but look at how God looks at you. Romans 8, verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also what? You notice all of that is past tense. It is already done. You know how God views you? Ephesians 2. This is how God views you and I. Now, he's called it done, but for us going through it, we ain't there yet. And we're like, hang on, Lord, come back. <laughs> Let's get this going. Ephesians 2, 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In the eyes of God, God... He says that church, the body of Christ, is already seated together in the heavenly places. And we sit there, Romans 4, verse 17, he called those things which be not as though they were. <laughs> he says, look, guys, it's done. And we're like, no, it ain't done. <laughs> we're still struggling. He goes, I know, but it's done. It's a done deal. The promise has been made sure. It's guaranteed. Ephesians 1, we learn that we have that seal of the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Why? Why, was, why did he seal you? So you'd have that earnest expectation of what? The inheritance, the promised resurrection coming. Go back to Romans 4. So with God, it's a what? Done deal, man. And Abraham knew that. And that's what faith does for you. You know what faith and the Word of God to you and I today says? It's a done deal. So when we get over, I was telling the, ki the kids on Monday night, going through some of this a little slower, because I'm teaching them Romans. that we're, we're, Monday night we're behind where we're at. Going through this, you know, they kind of look, like, look at me and going, we already know all this, Rick. Can we just move on? But what happens is, is you need to be you need to have this foundation in there because when you come over to Romans 6 the next the next pillar you get a verse like this for he verse 7 6 7 for he that is dead is freed notice what is that word freed past tense from what from sin so you said oh, how does god look at you Verse 11, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. How does God look at you? Dead to sin. How should you look at yourself? Dead to sin. He's, he, he counts. I, I just love the way Paul writes that. He calleth those things, verse 17, which be not 
as though they were. <laughs> you know, we're over here struggling. And he's like, dude, relax. Chill. I got you covered. You see it? Go back to Romans 4. He's, he's there. Now, if you have sin in your life, that's because you allowed it to come into your and be there. See? Why? Because you've been set free from that mess. Now go live. That's why in Romans 12, he's going to say, present yourselves that living sacrifice. Whew. How does a sacrifice, which is a dead thing, be living? Because it's no longer your life, it's his life. See? Romans 4, verse 18. Romans 4, 18. Who against hope believeth in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Historically, this happens in Genesis 15, verse 5 and 6. That's where the hope believed, believed in what? Hope. Abraham's faith in the word of God to him, done deal. Hope, resurrection life, the promise. Verse 19, and being not weak in, the, in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving God, I'm sorry, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that which he had promised he was able also to perform. Historically, that's Genesis 17. And again, Paul skips Genesis 16 because that's Abraham's mess up in the flesh and God's not worried about that because Calvary took care of that. It's been forgiven. Now we're, gonna, we're moving on. We're, we're not, we're not, he's not wallowing in the mire, as they like to say. He's moved on. Why? Because that old man has been crucified. You with me? See, Paul's get he's in the weeds now with you. He, he's down, he's like, look, this is because it's the issue of faith. And that eternal security is resting there in this. The promise is sure. Verse 20, he staggered not. I love that. He staggered not. at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You know, the only way to give God the glory is to walk by faith. That's the only way God gets the glory. And you know what? Abraham was strong in the faith. Verse 21, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Fully persuaded. He had the best evidence. And you know what the best evidence was? Guess who came up pregnant? Sarah did. Because that's what happened in Genesis 17, isn't it? Here comes Isaac. And you know what that did? That, it, 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 it solidified Abraham's faith. <laughs> if you will. He's like, wow, he promised it and he did it. 
Let's go. We can get her, get her done. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 21. He, he was able to also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Boy, you know what Paul's saying? I, I, look at verse 23. What's the first word? Now. You know what Paul says? Let's shine some light back there on old Abe, Abraham. And you know what? It wasn't written for him alone. It was written for us to understand how faith is the issue. It wasn't just written to prove Abraham was the father of all them that believe. But now, only with Paul do you read this. You never read it with any of the other, in any other passages. <laughs> it's right here. You know why? The scripture foreseeing that he would justify the heathen. He knew. So he did some things way back here so that when we showed up, Paul shows up, and we say it's faith alone, people go, huh? And we can drag them back to who? The big guy, Abraham, and say, look at Abraham. You know what? He was justified Way, he's justified 14 years prior to circumcision ever showing up. There he was. And it solidifies the moment. The legal argument is settled. It's by faith alone. The courtroom now is done. Except he's going to stay in the courtroom the rest of the book and lay some things out. But now the atmosphere in the courtroom changes. And what he's going to do now, starting in chapter 5, is he's going to begin to unpack for the courtroom all the stuff that we have in Christ. Because now, verse 1, 5, 1, therefore being what? Justified, being, be, that's who we are. You know what we are? We're justified by faith. We have peace with God. And he's going to begin to unpack now, 5 through 16, all this stuff we have in Christ. Now, verse 25, okay? Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. The promise is sure. Abraham understood that. But you know what? For you and I, his resurrection is what makes it sure for us. His resurrection is the guarantee. It's the paid in full. Ricky got his car. He, uh, he paid his car off. He got what you get in the mail. Title, paid off, no lien on it anymore, you know? <laughs> Why? Because it's been what? 
the account, everything's been settled. Resurrection. We possess righteousness, so guess what we are guaranteed of? Resurrection, eternal life. And it's done. Now, you thought we were done early today, but we're not. Go back up in the verse, uh, verse 20. I want to just talk about something quickly here that comes up about Abraham. You see in verse 20 where he says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in the faith, giving glory to God. If you come back to Genesis 17, in Genesis 17, we didn't read it, but in Genesis 17, something happens here that people bring up and say, Abraham and Sarah really didn't have faith, and there's a lack of it. And that what God did was God had to reach in and give Abraham the faith, the Calvinistic doctrines, okay? In Genesis 17, starting verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she, she, she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and, what? Laughed. And said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Now, you see in verse 17 where Abraham laughed? That's where everybody says, see, he was laughing in unbelief. But wait a minute, what did Romans 4 say? He was what? Strong in the faith. He wasn't weak in the faith. See that? He was, he was Romans 4, he staggered not. He was strong. He was fully persuaded. Then what's the laugh in Genesis 17? It's a laugh of faith. It's a laugh of wonderment. It's a laugh of, of excitement, of marvel. Have you ever done that where you just see something and you know it's true and yet you just kind of chuckle at it because it's like, wow, that really was true, <laughs> you know? Wow, he really is an idiot, <laughs> you know, type of thing, you know. I, that's the laugh. How do you know that? Because what does Paul say in Romans 4? He staggered none. He was strong. in the faith. So you can't have two opposites here. You're talking about the same thing. So the laugh is one of faith. Look at verse 18. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might, notice, live before thee. What's Abraham worried about? Well, who does the birthright belong to? Firstborn or secondborn? Firstborn. So in order to give the birthright from the firstborn to the secondborn, what happens to the firstborn? He has to do what? Die. You know what Abraham's worried about? God's going to kill Ishmael. 
And God knows that. Verse 19, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. Isaac's one of the seven or eight people named before birth. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and, he, and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, notice God's response to Abraham, oh, I wish he would live before thee, was Ishmael ain't the issue, Isaac's the issue. So just shut that thing down over there. We'll deal with him in just a minute. But Isaac is the one because Sarah is going to be the one that's bearing the, the seed line. Then in verse 20, as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he begat, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. God says, look, dude, Ishmael ain't the issue. I'm giving the birthright, and guess who I am? Well, verse 1, look at 17.1. I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. <laughs> who am I? I'm the Almighty God, and I'm telling you, the elder's going to serve the younger. And that's how it's going to be. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of, of uh, tomato soup. Bowl of stew. See? Jacob took it. God had, God counted things that were as if they already were done. Even though here, what's Abraham worried about? Ishmael. The point in all that, when you go back to Romans 4, is what Paul tells you is that Abraham was strong in the faith, and that laugh back there in Genesis isn't a laugh of unbelief. That's what the theologians all say, because they have to institute that God is in control of everything, and he's got to put faith in man and so forth. And you know what? Abraham was already justified. See, Abraham had already believed the promise of the seed. Abraham, I mean, if, if you're 100 years old and your wife is pretty close to that and somebody came up and said, hey, you're going to have a kid, you kind of chuckle at that too a little bit, you know. I think so. It's like, whoa, okay. But it's, so it's more of a, of a chuckle or a laugh of faith. Why? Because Paul tells us that's what it was, okay? Now, we'll start chapter 5, not next week, but in two weeks because I won't be here next week, Okay. All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for the passage. We thank you for the clarity of it. We thank you for everything that we have in your Son. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.